Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Licton Lifestyle. We're here this time for season three, Dr. Licton. How about that? Hey, we just keep them rolling. You know, three seasons. Uh, we've done 15 in season one, 16 in season two, and here's number one of season three. That's a lot of episodes over the past year. Well, there's a lot of people with a lot of special issues that we can deal with, and yeah. we want to bring it to the attention. And uh, that's one of the really cool things about the program is the feedback we've received from listeners all around the country, people that are learning more about how to maintain their health and learning more about hormones and hormone replacement therapy. Every patient has a, uh, a different story, and every patient's unique, but there's a common stream that runs through that hormones really are what dictate who we are, how we live, how we survive, how we repair, Mm-hmm. And really how long we live. So it's the basis for our existence. And it's nice to know that we now have the knowledge and the technology to make a difference, no matter really what the problem might be. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of the listeners have been hearing programs with different conditions and how some of these natural hormones have been helping them. Uh, originally, some people come to us, they do a Google search on hormone replacement therapy, and so they're looking for that when they go through maybe their change of life, or gentlemen, uh, when they start to have some erectile dysfunction. And then they look at our shows on antiagingradio.com, and they see that this hormone therapy does a lot more than just help you through your midlife change. No question, and we've talked about uh, the women with seizures uh, and headaches and fibroids and lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and the men with Crohn's and osteoporosis and it goes on and on and on and the menstrual pain and the fibroids and it, it looks like really many of the diseases, at least those chronic diseases that no one seems to have a treatment for, really are treatable mm-hmm. with these regimens that we put together here for our patients on a one-on-one basis. Mm-hmm. And today we have another one of your patients. Jeff is here. How are you, Jeff? Thanks for being on the program. I'm doing great. Thanks. I understand you came to Dr. Lichten with migraines. Yeah, that was one of the, the symptoms that I had, and I'd been searching for a long time for a cure to that, something mm-hmm. to relieve it, um, rather than all the, the medication that I kept getting prescribed to me. Now, what were you getting prescribed for your uh, it's been going on for 20 years. I've had migraines since I was 15, 16 years old, and it's been any number of, I've had anti-seizure medication, blood thinners, um, uh, anti-depression. I mean, they just throw everything at really? you usually when you do this stuff. And, and you know, you, you found, I found myself um, having short memory, um, losing concentration, and my job, I work with computers, I need to be sharp, I need to know what's going on, and it just wasn't working. So I had stopped, and this was kind of an alternative. So again, when did you start to notice that you were having these headaches? Uh, uh, as long as I can remember, almost 15, 16 years old. And back then, you'd just take a couple of aspirin, and that wasn't working for you? Well, you know, I went through a lot of testing. I had people, I was prescribed um, of having low blood sugar, or and... So that was kind of the accepted, you know, hypoglycemic. That was my the accepted diagnosis for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw people when I got older, no, you don't have that. And, and, and it just kind of continued to evolve. Migraines weren't a popular thing back when I was that age. It, was, it wasn't diagnosed. It was more something else giving you the, mm-hmm. the headaches. Describe the headache to me. Um, my headaches are, are 
pretty disabling. So um, tunnel vision, um, all you want to do is sleep. You, you, uh, for example, whenever I traveled, I got bad headaches. I would, I would always, I do a lot of an international travel. So I always had to plan my trips around getting there a day or two early because I would have to contend with, with the migraines. And then I would just lock myself in my hotel room for a day or two until I got over them and then I could function. Um, and so that, that was really a lifestyle changer, at least, at least one or two a month that I just would be gone from work for a day or two while I dealt with them. Did you notice any triggers? Yeah, there was a number of triggers. Um, you know, drinking was a trigger, but you know, who wants to give up, <laughs> give up alcohol, you know? Yeah. But, um, sh- you know, too much sugar could, could trigger them. Not enough sleep. Um, they were kind of, some of the common migraine triggers were out there and they worked for me as well. Um, but you know, it's hard to change your lifestyle to, right. to, to not do anything. Mm-hmm. The thing that, uh, you may want to explain to the listeners is, well, why, people say, well, I had a migraine from drinking. Uh, maybe use some terms like ice pick, uh, describe where the pain was, what it felt like going on. If someone put a clamp in your head that, uh, uh was felt like your eyes are going to bulge out of your head. I mean, I've heard different things, but we'll hear yeah. it from you. My- How bad? Yeah, my migraines would start at the base at the back of my neck as as more of a tension deal, and then um, and then they would shoot up to my temple. So the it would get to the point where the migraines um, to have my eyes open and light being around was was just pain, and it was a it's a deep internal pain. It's not a you know I I get headaches and and I know how to deal with a headache and a headache I can just take some aspirin and you can fight through it, but with a migraine the the pain is deep and it you lose your train of thought, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing to get by. And men don't normally have migraines as frequently as women, do they? No, the incidence of migraine in women is six to seven times more for men during the reproductive years, like age 12 to 55. Uh, men and women after 55 and kids have a different kind of tension headache and they're pretty equal. But with the work that we did, uh, 20, gosh, it's 27 years ago when we found that changing the hormone levels would actually impact on the women's migraines. So it was the first time that uh, we had uh, experience with this. And in my search, because I had actually some men come to me within the first two years of the publication of the work with uh, controlling women's hormones, uh, a couple men came in and said, what will you do? And they had a type of headache called cluster. And the cluster headaches uh, are more... common in men and a cluster headache comes like like a roar of a uh, tsunami and they wake up in the middle of the night the bash their head against the wall uh, men have committed suicide the headache is so bad uh, they come seasonal they may skip a month they may, they may skip four or five months they may skip two or three years uh, and the men who typically look more like truck drivers uh, ruddy complexion uh, they tend to drink more uh, these individuals are prone to devastating uh, life-threatening uh, pain. And the medication, again, they use for them, which you were probably on, I forgot, um, doesn't seem to work. And these headaches that we're talking about, the severity of migraine can be enough where people prefer to die. Hmm. Yeah. You know, pain will do that to you, any kind of pain. If you go through it long enough and it's severe enough, it's, it's no party. But you know what? I can remember back in my 20s uh, going away on one of these spring break trips. And we're in Florida, extremely hot, and we're drinking way too much. 
And on the way home, uh, as I was ready to board this plane, this feeling came over my head that lasted for a couple of weeks. And I mean, it felt, I can't even describe it. It hurt like hell, but it was, uh, it was like blood was flowing freely. Like I could, I, I mean, that sounds freaky, but that's how it felt to me. So my question would be, obviously there was a trigger or something involved with that headache, but I've never had it since. Can people have these severe type of headaches and then not have them again? Or are they like Jeff where they're recurrent? Well, in your case, you self-induced it by drinking like a fish. (laughs) And since you've gotten smarter, maybe that's why it hasn't happened again. But I have women and men who one drink will trigger a headache that will last for hours or days. A typical migraine, as Jeff explains, lasts less than 48 hours. Uh, It's severe. You want to be in a darkened room. You want no noise. Uh, You may throw up. Uh, You're nauseated. And you feel like you just wish it would stop. The pathophysiology is that there is a change in the neurochemicals in your brain and basically the whole electrical system gets fried Uh, and because of that all these nerves are firing that shouldn't be firing that your brain doesn't know how to handle it it takes a while to settle down the thing that we know about migraine Jeff will talk about and and what other patients like uh, uh, Denise talked about with her seizures and her headaches together is you want to get it before it happens. You want to do something called prevention. The trouble is with all the 35 to 50 drugs used for migraine, none of them are preventatives. All right, let's talk about that for a second. What is normal protocol from a medication point of view? Well, Jeff will remind me, but example is you took the Motrin, the girl took the Midol, you still got the headache. The next level is now we're using a drug called Imitrex. Before Imitrex, there was a drug called ergotamine. Ergotamine is ergot, which is a vasoconstrictor. And they used to give this as Cafragot as an oral tablet, or if you were so nauseated as a suppository called Cafragot PB. Uh, Before that, uh, there was another uh, pill called Midrin, which was an oral form of ergot, but it wasn't as strong. And these were the typical standby medications used before Imitrex and the Sumatriptans got on the market. Let me ask you about the one that was a vasoconstrictor. Right. Okay, so con- to constrict was to help the migraine. But right. yet hormonally, a lot of these hormones are vasodilating, so it sounds like it's the opposite. Well, we're talking about where things were then. They knew that this pulsating headache feel like your head's going to bust. If you took something that constricted the blood vessels, then the headache became less because the vessels weren't pounding. In other words, it's a dilated blood vessel that hurts. The narrow vessel doesn't hurt. I understand, but I mean, later when we get more involved with the hormone, you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I'm just trying to say where they were, and this is after the migraines developed. You have two phases where you have initial vasoconstriction and the body dilates, and that's when you get the headache. So, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right that when we talk about cause and effect, you want to get it before the vessel starts spasming, and that's what we do hormonally. But... What the neurologist and everyone else was doing is they look, it's a vasodilating effect. That's why the head hurts because all these vessels are big. We'll do a constriction. Mm-hmm. So the standard treatment now is a drug called Imitrex. About one in a thousand who get a shot of it die from asthma attacks or things like this. So even though this is the treatment of choice, there's still a significant side effects that can occur with uh, these Imitrex injections. The tablets are relatively safe, but at $23 a pill, 
$23 a pill. The injections are $65 to $85 an injection. It's expensive to have a headache. While the Midrin or the Ergot costs less than a dollar a pill. So wow. the doctors will write for Imitrex. If I need to, I would write for the Ergot. I can't tell you the last time I wrote a prescription. Yeah, one prescription this year for Ergot, and I can't think of more than three or four for the Imitrex tablet. So Imitrex didn't touch my headaches. Right. Didn't even slow them down. So after the doctors pull out their Super Imitrex pill or a Super Imitrex shot and doesn't work, they're all flustered. So different doctors have done different things in different areas. The Diamond Headache Clinic in Chicago uses a drug called Marplan, which is a MAO inhibitor, which is a heavy-duty psychotropic drug, and they've been using this for 50 years, and they have a certain group of people that respond to treatment. Mm -hmm. The uh, Lipton group in the East Coast, I think New York, uh, uh, uses uh, beta blockers, indraw blood pressure medications. Then the new drug, then others will use Keppra, which is a seizure medication. Phenobarbital was used before. Dilantin was used before. The new one now they're using is called Topamax. And the trouble is, as you go to the neurologist and every three months you put on a different drug, and here is a year and a half later and you've been through all their six new magic drugs that work for some people, doesn't work for everybody, then they tell you at the end that, well, we don't know what to do with you. Well, I was on a combination of like three of them at a time. I was on Topamax, I was on an anti-seizure, I was on a blood thinners, I was on all of them at the same time. And it just, all it did was mess my mind up. Wow, I can imagine. all. That's a lot. I have people coming in on five medications at a time, and that's not infrequent. Because the problem we're facing here is that the doctors are practicing on a protocol basis. We, have, we try drug A, we try drug B, we try drug C, we try drug D and drug E. And they never ask the question, why does this person have the headache? And this is why I drove my professors insane, or at least crazy, and I kept saying, Why? And they, eventually they say, this is the way we do it. And if you don't like it, get out of my class. But I keep asking the question, why should he have the headache and you and I not? And the answer is? Hormones. And it doesn't work for everybody, but we've had a tremendous success. Matter of fact, I had another fellow here today who told me now that I've controlled his migraines. He's been seeing me for three months. Uh, the same story. And what happens is we now look at the basic physiology of what makes the body run, which is the six endocrine systems. And if we fix that first... Lo and behold, a lot of the complaints go away, as we'll talk about with your knees. Well, and my son has—he's inherited the same thing. He just—he's 17 now. Since he was 16, he gets the same headaches, and and I, he's going down the same path. So it's it's good that maybe there's some some hope for him too. So. Well, that's a good question too because he's 17. You know, hormonal therapy is not normally right. recommended till you're in your 30s plus, right, Doc? I've treated headache patients at 19. I had one kid who's. Uh, Mother was a client of mine, a patient of mine, and uh, the kid was not able to make class because the headaches were so often. We started him on the testosterone therapy, and he didn't miss one class the next quarter. It was that dramatic. So it's something to look at. We know what the normal blood levels are, and, of course, Jeff, you'll take the blood test forms home and have the blood test run, and we'll see where he stands. But once they've reached their maximum height, you know, he's 5'4", wouldn't do it, but if he's six foot tall, I wouldn't be afraid to start him on therapy. Um, there's no reason to suffer because it either will work or not work. You see, mm -hmm. that's the part that's wrong with medicine today. This is a protocol. You take this drug to lower your cholesterol, and we don't know if it's going to make a difference or not, but do it anyway. Mm -hmm. That's protocol. The other hand is you come in, you have appendicitis. The protocol is to take it out. And then the patient says, I'm cured. That's outcome. 
we have forgotten that treatment has to give you a result. You know, you go to the doctor, you should feel better. You know, uh, you go buy a car, you walk out with a car, you don't walk out with a motorcycle. You got to get some outcome results, and we've lost that. So when it comes to Jeff, he came to me, I guess he read some of the articles I had on the internet or listened to podcasts or whatever it was, and he says, what do I have to lose to see what my blood levels are? Same story we tell every time. Let's measure the blood levels. Let's see if you're below normal. Let's replace the hormones, and you tell me what, how that has affected the condition you, you come in with. Mm-hmm. So you were searching. You, you, in your mind, Jeff, you had a hormonal link. That was what you were thinking. Could be wrong. Well, I did a search on, on migraine pain, and I had, just, I had only been out for probably six months from my last doctor that was giving me all the other medication, and I mm-hmm. had given up on that. And I found on the Internet just mention of this is linked to to uh, migraine therapy and so thought I'd give it a try you found that there was a somewhere it said that a hormonal link could be the cause of a migraine no I actually came across Dr. Lichten's site okay with in a just in a Yahoo search so interesting and and you first started noticing this when Dr. Lichten 84 85 and what happens back then, you know, I'm still, the, I think, the same now. I still have the same curiosity that I did yeah. then. And when women come, came in and told me that I cured their migraines, and I said, I'm not a migraine specialist, and the bolt of lightning came down and said, you will be soon, uh, I found that the literature that's objective supported it. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the original books written by Wolf in 1950, and it says, Two-thirds of all headaches sufferers are women, and two-thirds of their headaches occur before their menstrual period. And as a gynecologist, I said, well, the hormones are dropping. Look, there's a direct link. And then I went to the medical literature and found evidence where people had either judged it properly or misjudged what they observed. Mm -hmm. An observation is an outcome. It's something real. It's not dogma. And I found a reference to using estrogen pellets in 1975 uh, from a fellow that actually was uh, working under my professor at Ohio State. So I knew he was a good guy. Mm-hmm. I checked with him, with my professor, and I went ahead and started using these estrogen pellets after we used some different pills. And lo and behold, what worked in 1975 still works in 2009. And by changing the hormones, we wrote three, four separate articles on the effect of hormones and migraine, showing a direct physiological connection and one of my professors just told me one of my articles that I've written on this physiology has been quoted more than 190 times in the medical literature. So what we did as scientific studies showed the correlation, hormones change, headaches occur. Now, we knew that was very definite with women and had been identified with women, so I asked the question, could it be the same for men? And lo and behold, there's two references in German literature, Klimet, or somebody, in 1985, reported treating a man with cluster headaches with testosterone shots. And there was one study out of a big headache clinic in L.A. that, quote, men with cluster headaches have low testosterone. Well, that's support for what I had seen. So when the fellow came in, I said, I don't know if it'll work or not, but we can try weekly testosterone shots and testosterone pellets. And he Mm -hmm. went for three years without clusters, which are the worst form of headaches. And uh, except when he thought he had outgrown them and stopped the medicine and then came back and said, you were right, he went back on the medication. So I have had experience with probably 20 to 30 men with very severe cluster headaches. And when we wrote this book just two years ago, lo and behold, Cleveland Clinic has just written a report about using hormones to treat cluster headaches 
in both men and women. Well, what you just said was a good point too. I, I was on taking the injections for a long time. Um, probably, you know, I've been on them for about six months now, but, um, after three months, um, I started to think that, okay, is it the increase? Cause this also helps you recover after exercising. So you, you have much better progress and workouts. Let me and- interrupt for a second. What, what Jeff's saying is the way we treated him was to replace testosterone as injections. Right. Because before we're talking about injections and yeah. Emotrex, yeah. I don't want to confuse the listeners. So by giving frequent injections of testosterone, we're raising the testosterone level. But we do more than that. We also lower the estrogen level to stabilize the ratio of the two and free the testosterone so it's usable. So you have a higher level of bioidentical or bioavailable testosterone with these injections that we had started with you maybe six, seven months ago. Yeah. So, so my point, though, was that um, then I went out of town for a, a long period of time, and I didn't bring um, any of the medication with me. So I was off for three weeks, and my headaches came back. So it, it kind of removed the link of exercise. Because you know, people had said to me, well, maybe you're just not getting them anymore because you've improved your exercise regimen, but it wasn't. It, it was definitely correlated um, with with the medication, and it's done a lot for me. I always thought that uh, I've heard from some people that exercise a lot that they thought the trigger was the exercise. You know, you're pushing hard. Oh, uh, I, I definitely see that. After, after I go play basketball, I'll have a headache for the, the next day, just after the exertion of playing basketball, mm-hmm. um, when I used to, to play a lot um, before my knee injuries. But I would have that all the time. It was something you just had to accept. If I won't go play basketball, I'm going to have to deal with the headache that comes the next day. And I had a young man in here recently who headaches were so bad he stopped having sex. Now, you know that had to be pretty bad, right? I thought that was the woman's line. No, no. This guy, he was so afraid of getting a cluster-type headache that he actually would not in any way go to that point in time. All right. So, Jeff, you you missed your testosterone and... and here comes that migraine back again, right? And that's how you knew in your own mind that, hey, this stuff is actually working. Right, right. So, you know, it, it was very obvious because I hadn't changed anything else. Mm-hmm. Everything else was still the same. I just hadn't, hadn't received the shot. And um, within the first week after I was supposed to, you know, I was scheduled to have something, um, I, I had a headache. And then every week for the next two weeks, I had another headache. So as soon as I got back in town, you know, I came straight over and said, you know, Doc, you got to help me out. So mm. That's horrible, though, being, you know, traveling, you know, the places he travels all around the world and you have a headache. Man, uh, you know, what are you doing in that situation? You've got to be at work. You can't be in a room with the blinds uh, closed. I, do, I don't. I can't. I Suck can't. It I up. have to go. No, I have to go to the to the hotel and I just miss the meetings. Really? I, I just can't bad. function. I did a trip um, two years ago up to canada and i did a fly-in fishing trip and i'd been looking forward to this thing for two years and it was a a seven-day trip and i was with five of my friends and um got up there and three days i slept in in a bed because i had a migraine and missed half of the trip while all my friends are out fishing and enjoying their themselves um i spent three days in bed and that's the kind of thing that i had to live with for a long time Hmm. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that really does. Oh, man. And so, you know, tell me, Doc, a little bit about what's going on here. When we're having a migraine, explain to us what's the process. 
Well, imagine that you have a certain balance of hormones that keeps everything stable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, you as a baseball guy, you got to have four uh, referees, umpires on the field to keep things reasonable, unless someone gets out of hand and throws a fight. So, under most conditions, three or four referees keep the game sort of uh, stable. Imagine that now you have two. Now you have one referee. Well, there's going to be a lot of fights and arguments over all the imbalances that you can't keep under control. So what happens by not having the right balance of hormones, this vessel starts to flare and it starts to trigger this process and the other one does this. So without the control mechanisms that hormones stability offers, you get instability. And the instability in Jeff's case leads to a migraine. His blood vessel's neck flares, gets a spasm, then dilates, and then this whole process starts. But you prevent the process by keeping the hormones stable. Adequate levels of stable hormones. All right. Now, can you help me understand um, the the vasodilating versus the constricting? Before, we talked about with a medication that constricts, and that could help. But how, when you're using this as a preventative, does the dilation help? It's the opposite of the old protocol. Okay. What happens is, let's say you have a little long skinny balloon, Okay. And it's just, it's not overly inflated. But you go ahead and someone goes ahead and squeezes that balloon in the middle, okay? And then the balloon responds by the other ends getting dilated. So you have one vessel in the middle, squeeze the balloon, got narrower, and then the other ends got more dilated. We know the more dilated is the pulsating pain headache. But the cause was, the trigger was the spasm. This is understood. What the literature has shown over the last 20 years, well, take it back 35 years, is that we know that hormones are one of the things that control these spasms, just like ice cream. Mm-hmm. You ever have a big lump of ice cream and get a headache? Well, that's a response to the back blood vessels in the back of your neck getting hit with so much cold. So there are a lot of different triggers, but the physiology is the same. You have a spasm triggered by an overdilation. And the thing that hasn't been recognized by the neurologists is that these are more often hormonal than not. And the real trick is to understand the medicine that most people use for treating with hormones aggravates the headaches. Example, a birth control pill. You take a big dose of estrogen, it's gone in 12 hours. Uh, If you're menopausal, you take a big dose of estrogen, it's gone in 12 hours. So just changing from an estrogen pill to an estrogen patch where the dosages are stable can change headaches. It's that simple, but you have to understand the physiology. If you take an estrogen shot, it may work well for three to five days. In Jeff's case, he's using a testosterone shot. and We mixed a couple elements in, so it works for seven days. Normally, testosterone will only work for three. Mm-hmm. It's the highs and the lows you're trying to avoid. I tell people that just think of it this way. You either take an airplane and fly it above the water or you have a submarine below the water. Whatever you do, you don't want to hit the water. And just that fluctuation of coming down to a threshold will change all the dynamics of what's going on. And we've established exactly what the blood levels are that establish a threshold. Below it causes a headache. Above it, you're stable. And that's what we're doing with Jeff. If he stays above and flies above the water, he's got no headache. Well, we know estrogen is the female hormone and testosterone the male, although, you know, there's a little bit of both in each of us. But why, when it comes to the migraine, 
would the female hormone affect the female and the male testosterone affect the male? I mean, that sounds like a stupid question, but yet it's, it's still, you're, you're solving the problem with a hormone. Um, but they're two different hormones for the male and the female. Because the primary hormone for the female is estrogen, and the primary hormone for the male is testosterone. So if a woman does not have adequate estrogen levels and she goes up and comes down, then she will crash and get a headache. And if a male doesn't have adequate testosterone levels, he goes up and comes down and crashes and gets a headache. This is what we call gender-specific. The disease is specific based on the hormones. So just like we've seen before, the women are more prone to certain diseases like lupus and osteoporosis. The men are more prone to Crohn's. Women are more prone to migraine. Mm-hmm. That we're telling these hormones affect not just the sexual performance or reproductive function of these individuals, but the hormones affect every cell in the body. Yeah. And homeostasis is a word we use that says stable, natural condition. So if you're in homeostasis, everything is in balance. And what we're talking about migraine in this case for men or women is that the hormones are not in balance. They're disruptive. They're fluctuating. They're less than what's needed. They're not doing what they need to maintain a stable, normal environment. And by giving Jeff the testosterone, we not only have raised the levels up into balance for his migraine, mm-hmm. but he'll tell the story about what other effects have uh, he's noticed over his years and saying why, you know, feel about 15 years younger on these uh, shots, don't you? Yeah, I feel, I feel really good. I mean, I did, like I was saying earlier, I did something that I never thought I would do, and I went surfing when I was in Australia a couple of weeks ago. And I've had six knee surgeries, um, replacing my ACL and having the, the meniscus um, repaired. And while there was still some soreness there, the recovery time was much faster than it ever has been. And I was able to do it, you know, for three days in a row, which I would have never, I probably never would have thought I could do before. So, so the anti-inflammatory effects of the testosterone in Jeff's case not only works for the anti-inflammatory migraine effects, but the anti-inflammatory joint problems, and the testosterone doesn't hurt for the rest of the body's function either, right? No comment. Everyone's smiling. Don't worry, guys out there. They're smiling here, but we're not going to make comments. <laughs> I think if anyone's listened to our show long enough, they know what you're talking about, Dr. Lichten. The, uh, the mojo works better when you're uh, hormonally, <laughs> hormonally set. Um, I, you know, in a lot of our shows we've talked about, uh, we know that it's about balancing your hormones and, and then the rest of the system can take care of itself. Uh, the only thing I found interesting about this is it seemed in some of the other disorders or diseases that you've spoken about, uh, there was a specific uh, ingredient that helped man or woman. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it could be um, either testosterone or estrogen. In this case, it's specific. Right. You see... The thing with women's headaches, and we've talked about this a little bit before, is that the, we have to get a constant testosterone-estrogen ratio. So if you have a woman whose estrogen crashes to cause her headache, you have two ways of blocking it. One, you can give her more estrogen to keep it above, like keep the airplane above the waterline, mm-hmm. or we let her get below the waterline and keep her low. To keep her low, we would use a testosterone drug to block the estrogen to stay above the threshold or above the water level, we would use estrogen. So we can use both treatments for women. And in the women who are younger, who have very high levels of estrogen, we usually use an anti-estrogen, 
are the danazole or the testosterone we've talked about. For women who are menopausal and need some estrogen, we will use estrogen to raise it above. So we have a couple different approaches. Now, in a man, you don't have that option. You either give him testosterone or you cut off you-know-what. So since he didn't want to be castrated, and I have no proof it would work, then the only choice for men is to keep them elevated, keep their testosterone levels higher. But are we talking specifically testosterone in this case, or could it be something like nandrolone? All forms of testosterone work the same. So both testosterone and nandrolone are two forms of anabolic steroids that will raise the intracellular testosterone levels that would stabilize these blood vessels. Uh, when we talked about other problems, we've talked about different drugs before, part of the problem is that even though we're normal males, the environment is so toxic with estrogens, it's blocking the ability of the body to pick up the testosterone we make. So not only are we testosterone deficient, but we're also estrogen overloaded. So in our preparations we use here that we don't give our secrets away on the, on the radio is basically we block the extra estrogen from the environment as well as adding to the testosterone. In other words, the, the key is he's got four times, Jeff's got four times more testosterone bioavailable to him than he had when he walked in the door. And that means he should feel 15 to 20 years younger. And I think he can tell you that not only are the headaches better, but knees better. And overall, you know, people notice that you don't feel as old as you might be, although you are significantly younger than I am. <laughs> well, Jeff, uh, were you feeling not well beyond the, the migraines? Um, yeah, yeah, I was. I mean, I, I was. Um, I, I, I had just gone through a divorce, and I think that was contributing to it. But there was a lot of depression, and and when I started this regimen, I think just quality of life in general improved for me. A lot of it was because the migraines were gone. But you know, I felt good about myself. I could ac- I exercised a lot more um, because the recovery time was faster and. I have found that I can do um, cardio longer and and things like that. I mean, I I did a uh, a 10k race um, three months ago in in uh, Colorado. I had never done one before in my life, so it was something that oh, I was able congratulations. to. Congratulations! To, I'll never do it again, but on, <laughs> but, on but bad, you did it once on bad it. knees. Yeah, that's right. On bad knees. On bad knees. So it it has it has helped my life a lot. I I would uh, recommend it to anybody. Do you remember when you came in and you had your blood work done? Were you low in testosterone? Yeah, I don't remember the specific numbers. I remember you know the doctor reviewed it with me and showed me what was normal and what what was below normal, showing that I I did have you know lower than normal levels. And and I don't know if I, I imagine that your testosterone fluctuates with time and with with the time of the day or the exercise you're doing or whatever. I don't know, but I, I would imagine that that. Um, it, at times, it was even lower than that that drove out my headaches. Well, and as Dr. Lichten has pointed out, stress will drive it down, and going through a divorce would put it right in the toilet. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I work for General Motors. We've been going, everybody knows, we've been going through a hard time, and, and the stress associated with work on top of that um, has a lot to do with it, too. And the truth is that testosterone levels vary, and I've had endocrinologists say, well, that testosterone level is not accurate because between 4 o'clock in the morning and 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it may vary by 15%. My answer is, but his levels were only 30% of normal. So who cares about 15% variation, guys? Look at the numbers. So when we're doing this ratio of how much is bioavailable, 
not free, but bioavailable, this number is consistent. And I've looked at my levels for 20 years. And I can tell you that they haven't varied 10%, except for the drop This it happens with age. And 10% variation is not much in a test. So we know these are consistent. But more important is it's not the test. It's the result. What was the outcome of the shots? My headaches are gone. What happens when you forget your shots? The headaches come back. Well, that's 100% trial and error in my book. So, you know, we asked ask Jeff, well, do you want to stop taking your testosterone shots? I think he'll say, hell no. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it is now firmly in my budget and something that I make sure I, uh, you know, I have set aside enough money to make sure I get those shots every week, and it's important. So you have never had a migraine when you've been on testosterone shots? No. I, I, once, once you know, and it took me... I had one probably the first week, you know, and I imagine it takes a while to, to get it, get it, um, kind of regular in your system. But, um, I have not had any. And, and the good thing is, you know, I go out and drink a lot and I'll have a normal <laughs> hangover. It, it won't be the two day hangover that, that I had before. <laughs> See what you've done, Dr. Licking. You've made someone healthy and they can now go to the bar and have cocktails. God bless you, Dr. Licking. Uh, you know how many men you're going to have calling you now, right? I got to call this guy. I got to call him tomorrow. Now, when you come in with your after-drinking headache, we do have a treatment. And those banana bags, the IVs, work fantastically well for the hangover. So, yes, we have. <laughs> just just make sure you, you've you gotten past the nausea and uh, emesis stage when you come in my office. I really don't want to uh, take care of that situation i was talking to jeff about that off air about the those banana bags those are the vitamin bags banana bags is a term that didn't they use on a tv show or is that a military term no on tv show they because the yellow coloration from the vitamin b so they say it looks like a banana bag it's just an ivy with yellow from the from the uh, vitamins and, you know, there's an article that someone needs to write about around New Year's because I always see in the newspaper articles, they're trying to come up with hangover cures, and they never have any new ones. This one actually works. Go figure. Can you be open like on New Year's Day? Now, we already know, when, other than this program, where do we have anything in medicine that actually works anymore? We have a lot of protocols and we have a lot of drugs, but do they really work? And notice the silence. I mean, look, you know, all the Lipitor drugs, half of them have been taken off the market. You know, Zedia Zedia was uh, uh, panned by the FDA, and the drug companies yelled at the FDA, so the FDA backed down. Uh, Epigen is a blood uh, drug they use for dialysis patients, just got another report to increase the risk of cancer. Uh, All these drugs are not natural, and, uh, you know, what makes anybody believe that a drug company knows more than God does about what you need in your body? That's my philosophy. You notice that the marketing machine for, I think it's Lipitor, but one of those cholesterol medications, they keep spewing out uh, articles every couple of months. Uh, I've seen some recently in WebMD about what else they're great for. You know, they've got another a handful of other things beside lowering your cholesterol. Yes, and I, I and I believe absolutely nothing of it. Remember, you can publish an article and say there's a two percent difference from the placebo group, but the placebo group is thirty percent. So if I give anybody anything, sugar pills, you'll get a response in up to a third of the patients. Mm-hmm. Well look, this is two percent better than placebo. That means thirty five percent of people got better on this and only thirty three percent got better on nothing. Would you take pills for a 2% response? Mm. 
I mean, you know, Jeff here says, I take this medicine because I get a 100% response. That's what it's all about. Outcome, not some statistic. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I see the articles and I just cringe and go on to the next article and go, what else are you going to tell me today that I don't want to know? And um, have you ever talked to any other doctors about the therapy you're doing now? Or no, just not, at all, not at all. And, you know, my, a lot of my... <laughs> why, 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 why waste your time, right? A lot of my friends are skeptical, but yeah. when I explain to them, you know, what a change in the quality of my life this has been, um, you know, they understand. <laughs> I like to ask the question, though. You know how many people I've asked that question to? And they're like, uh, I think one lady went back to say something. Most... They just don't want to go back and talk about it anymore. You know, they're, they're fed up with a doctor that prescribed them things that didn't work. And, uh, and they frankly don't care that this guy doesn't believe what they're doing is working for them. Well, we went in with my son to the same headache doctor that I was seeing and talked to him. And he wanted to do the exact same thing. And here's, a, you know, a 17-year-old kid that he wanted to start putting drugs in that, messed up my head so you know that right away just kind of told us that there nobody has any other answers right now Mm -hmm. there there isn't anything else i've looked i mean i have a i have a cousin who has such bad headaches and has all her life that she actually had to have her esophagus repaired because she was from the nauseousness from getting sick all the time on her headaches um she was throwing up all the time um, she couldn't even hold a job down and i've passed this information off to her and we'll see what what she does with it yeah that also surprises me you know, when when people come here and they get these cures and they go back and tell other people and for whatever reason yeah. some people are you know they want to just believe what the doctors are feeding them here take this prescription even though it doesn't work well and so migraines are so still misunderstood um she has been she's spent weeks in the u of m migraine clinic and and they can't solve it i mean she has lived with this for her whole life just like i did and if when you can't solve it people don't that don't have these headaches don't understand you know you made the comment a little bit ago well did you just tough it out there's no such thing as toughing it out i can't function i i i will sit and listen to somebody talk and i don't hear them i mean i just cannot function i couldn't drive a car um, I've had occasion where I've had to just stop and pull over and not drive and have somebody come and get me. It is just a debilitating, you cannot survive headache, you know. And it doesn't sound like a very good excuse for some employers. You know, if they don't understand right. it, their employees calling in, hey, I've got a headache, I can't come in. And I was missing 10 to 15 days a year, at least, for, for my headaches. Mm-hmm. So Another reason why you need to get this program in municipalities, doctor. I have the whole world, but you, you already know, people have the misconception that you go to a lawyer, it's the same. And we already know the difference between <laughs> lawyers, don't we? And accountants. Mm. But when it comes to medicine, so everyone's trained, everyone got a state license, and the medicines the doctors are using are all the same. Therefore, the results should be the same. You know, wrong. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and the thing is, if everybody had the same knowledge and could use it, great, but testosterone therapy really hasn't been taught in the schools since the mid-70s. So we have 30 years of, 35 years of doctors out there who have no idea other than, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger's on testosterone, and that's probably why he has heart disease. I mean, that's the logic that's out there. And it's another modality. It happens to be a bioidentical modality. 
And it's very important as we continue to force more and more estrogen compounds into our environment, we're seeing more and more estrogen confusion states, whether it's diabetes or alligators with penises or polar bears that are killing their young because they're toxic from the hormones. I mean, this is an environmental toxin that's a billion times more important than cap and trade. We're talking about, you're worrying about whether you're going to have carbon emissions. We're worried about whether or not there's enough people with enough testosterone to repopulate the, the species. The whole point is we have created the situation, and fortunately, at least a few of us have figured out why, and through trial and error and scientific exploration, we now have answers for what the cause and the effect is. And you know, from Jeff's standpoint, he doesn't care if this is magic milk that we you know, took out of the tree root in the backyard. It works. And that's the point. Not only does it work, but there's a scientific reason why it works. And mm. like, he's not the only guy out there with migraine. And as the estrogen levels get higher, I'm seeing more and more headaches. It's been really almost exponential the last five years. I rarely saw a fellow with headache. And right now in this practice, I have six. Mm. So this is going to work for women too. They just need to look into different, estrogen. A different type of approach, depending on whether premenopausal or menopausal, but their cause is the estrogen fluctuation. Mm-hmm. And a male's problem with headaches is can be the testosterone fluctuation. All right, what about safety issues? Uh, and we're we're going to be on this for a long time, I would imagine. Um, safety is yeah. that a concern? Long term use? Well, when people ask me, I say I've been on testosterone therapy. This will be my twenty first year, and at forty two, I thought I was going to die. I couldn't play five minutes of tennis. I couldn't perform sexually twice a month. I couldn't sleep. I had night sweat so bad I would shower twice a night. You understand very well what it means to be miserable day after day after day. And depression goes along with this. So I've been on testosterone therapy for 21 years. So when someone walks in and says, what are long-term effects? I say, as long as you can come in here and talk to me, I know you got 20 more, 21 more years. So if I've been doing this for 21 years, and the worst scenario was, I told you before, mm-hmm. that short tennis ball that I went after and found myself, I had to, jump the, had to jump the tennis net at 62, and I made it. So the bottom line is, that should be a problem for everybody at 60. Now, if I can do it at 72 and 82, we're going to have some pretty good stories. But the point is, if I've been on this 20 years and it hasn't had a negative effect, and uh, I think that's an example of why it hasn't had a negative effect, then why should you worry about going on it now? The truth is we've been using testosterone injections since 1939. There's a 70-year history of use. They used it in World War II to make the German soldiers crazy, but they used it also in reasonable amounts in the Holocaust patients to help them recover from the concentration camps. Mm-hmm. So we have a tremendous amount of experience with these drugs. The drug is approved in every country in the United, in the world right now. Uh, we're talking to people in Malaysia about doing studies with us. It's just a question of saying it's just another drug, except this one is one your body has been used to for millions of years. Why don't you think about using this first instead of this whole panacea of pharmacology produced by drug companies with a profit motive? Mm. Well, has um, the safety issue gone away a little bit since the prescription gel has come on the market? I think there's a little less uh, fear of using testosterone because of the gel, but you and I understand the gel doesn't really work. Um, After six months, the estrogen levels come up to such a level that they negate any benefit effect of the testosterone. And I've had multiple discussions with Solvay about it at their headquarters. But any doctor can write for a testosterone 
gel. And the internists are very comfortable doing so, but the internists are not comfortable writing for a testosterone injection. Mm-hmm. And I've taught Jeff and hundreds of other patients how to give themselves a shot. I mean, they teach you how to do an Imitrex shot, right? They teach you how to use an epinephrine or EpiPen mm-hmm. shot, but no one thinks that you can teach yourself how to give a testosterone shot. Are you, you right-handed, Jeff? Left side's a little tough, isn't it? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of a funny story. I mean, I have been my whole life terrified of needles mm-hmm. just terror I, I, when i you know when i was 20 years old i got i got nicked in a in a barber shop and passed out from the blood really? you know? i mean it, and this doesn't bother me at all it's very easy and i i don't have any issue with it i like to rotate sides you know and it's just a little awkward to get over to the left for me i don't rotate i stay, oh, you don't rotate? I stay with the same side i don't rotate either i mean sometimes if i you know i'll take out the the stands i'll go ahead and and i'll use the other thigh but if i'm using stands i only have to i have to do it left-handed well when you do these injections can you use i mean i've heard you yeah. can use your thigh but i don't have any meat in my thigh right up so here, up here right here in the upper outer part where there's muscle, not in the fascia lateral, but right up here, about three quarters, you know, just a little bit off the uh, the top. You can put a shot in here of the of the nandrolone testosterone, yeah, really, but not the other. The other one, it hurts. But that's why we that's why we put in the in the butt buttocks because there's a lot of good solid fat in there, and you can after a couple shots, it doesn't bother you, yeah. right? No, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. Anymore. You you don't want to give it up now. No, no, it's too much fun, you know. <laughs> And uh, and for your ex, too bad, lady. You're missing out. Now everything is really working well. But you decide to leave, so just let me tell you, you are on the short end of the ladder. How long have you been divorced? Uh, about three years. Isn't that fun? It, the whole process of divorce? Yeah, you know, it, it hasn't actually been so painful because it's been one of it's not been a fighting divorce. So, oh. so it's been a, you know. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> I'm going through one right now that is... Uh, duking it out as a matter of fact i started a, another radio station divorcesourceradio.com check that out we have a lot of information on there for, for frustrated guys like me <laughs> thank god for guys like dr lichten that can put us back together again that's right hey better than before remember those poor young girls don't stand a chance anymore <laughs> steve so any final thoughts that you'd like to talk about and uh, let our listeners know about migraine yeah the point we're making is look at the tone of voice here. We're not talking about you're going to die with your migraine or your cluster. There's a treatment. It's as simple as taking an injection once a week. And for some people, they see the doctor once a month. And this is called hope. Because you've been through multiple treatments and the doctors say there's nothing can be done, just say, I just haven't found the right doctor. Now, we don't have the cures for everything, but there are so many chronic diseases that I've seen over the last 40 years that suddenly are responding to treatment. You don't need $15,000 of Humira for ulcerative colitis. You don't need Embril for rheumatoid arthritis. You don't have to be on Imitrex shots 10 times a week. You don't have to be on Epigen to keep your blood count up because you're anemic. I mean, we've gone through drugs that would save the U.S. government 50 to $100 billion, but Obama's not calling me. Can't figure out why. You want to save money, you cure the problem, you prevent the problem. That's the only health care that counts. And why we're laughing here today, instead of crying, is because Jeff and Pam and Denise all have found an answer that works to prevent the problem. So that's why we're happy. I mean, this is the biggest treat for me, 
is to say, I found something that made someone's life better. It, it changed my life. I mean, that it changed my life. And, and, it, and we're talking about hundreds of millions of people with this knowledge, and you have a chance, whoever's listening, to spread the word. And, you know, I have an appointment at the university. I'm a clinical assistant professor, and they wouldn't give that out to me if I was 100% crazy, just maybe 50%. But the point being is this is in textbooks. This is logical. It's been proven by patients. So when your doctor says, I know nothing about it, say, well, why don't you check the literature? Here's a piece of paper. Read about it. And then tell me why you wouldn't do it if it was you or your wife or your kids. And see what kind of response you get. Unfortunately, most of them will blow you off. But you'll find some doctors who say, look, I'm really interested in helping you get better. So whatever works, works. And that's what we want for you. Awesome. Jeff, thank you very much for coming and being part of this program and sharing your story with us. I definitely appreciate it. And best of health to you. Thank you. It's all in the textbook of bioidentical hormones written by Dr. Edward Lichten. You can pick that up on his website at usdoctor.com. And you can also call him for a consultation. He's available at 248-593-9999. One more time, that number for Dr. Lichten is 248-593-9999. Dr. Lichten, you're moving your office. Uh, The phone number will remain the same. Yes, uh, the uh, website's still usdoctor.com. Uh, we'll have a new map up at the uh, 1st of December. We'll be in a little different location, and uh, hopefully we have a little studio for Steve here to do this on a more regular basis. That's cool. And we're going to have some interesting uh, cardiovascular stress tests that are not available in hospitals as part of a study showing that when you go on this testosterone, your heart does work better, your oxygen consumption is less, and we'll be physiologically able to say how much better you've uh how much less you've aged and how you reverse the aging. Because as you age, you can't process oxygen as well. Mm-hmm. It's called a VO2 max. How much oxygen can you process and what do you get out of it? And what I expect to show that hasn't been shown before, that on our preparation between day one and day 30 or 60, that there will be a dramatic improvement in how much better you can process oxygen, how much more energy you can make, which you've already, Jeff's already told, and many of others have explained, says, I feel better. And when you guys get to 62, maybe you'll jump the tennis net too and say, you know, our fearless leader did it first. <laughs> Thank you for being our fearless leader, Dr. Lichten. Hey, listeners, new programs are available every single week on iTunes, or you can listen to them on, uh, I almost said Divorce Source Radio. You can listen to them on antiagingradio.com. But, uh, you know, go to Divorce Source, too. This just depends where your mind is right now, so it's okay. Right, you can tell where mine is at. I know. So uh, check our new programs out. There we go. That's uh, the beginning of our third album, Season 3. It's been a pleasure, Dr. Lichten. I look forward to speaking to you next week. Mine, too, and I... Next week, with the lady that we have lined up is a lady with a disease called reflux sympathetic dystrophy. It's a devastating disease, muscle spasm. Actually, looks like you uh, you've contorted so severely it can be the pain. And the story she'll tell is going off morphine. Interesting. I look forward to that. Well, until next time, for the Licton Lifestyle, I'm Steve Peck. Saying, stay healthy, everyone.